Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's the podcast guy. Something I talked on on podcast. It's the Southern Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sutton United Talk Time on podcast. It's the Sutton Podcast in association with Lucky Star Gear. I'm your host, Mike, and with me today on our panel, we have Neil. Um, we had a bit of a technical problems for other guests, but uh, Neil has uh, remained on the line, hopefully. Um, in this episode, we are going to be talking about the draw, because it is a draw, with Aston Villa under-21s, and look forward to the visit of Milton Keynes Dons. Uh, Milton Keynes Dons? Uh, yeah, yeah, FK Dons, whatever they're called. Um, Obviously, engagement is really important. Please like, share, um, retweet, or re-X, or whatever they call it. Um, obviously, we might not be on X for too much longer if he starts charging, so I pay for that. Um, uh, but engage with your fellow fans and uh, be kind to each other, please. Um, but we have on the show with us today, we have got Neil, who has now got a record of two wins and a draw. Um, hello, Neil. How are you? Fine, thank you, Mike. Good to see you again. Good, good, good. Um, so you watched last night um, on iFollow, uh, which means you're going to have a better angle of all the goals for me because I'm blind. Um, so we, we can talk talk through a few of the bits in a moment. Um, club news, there's not a huge amount. Uh, we have obviously got the Crawley coach that they're um, trying to sell now, or coaches, I don't know how many they've got. Um, and there may or may not be train strikes, so um, it might be worth looking into the coach. I think it's 20 quid. So the details are on the forum, which is out of the planet, if anyone doesn't know. Um, and I am still looking for some guests for the next batch of games, including Sunday, because um, we've had a change of plans. So if anyone's available Sunday and wants to jump on, just give us a shout and we'll get you on Sunday to talk about the MK Dons game. So the match. Before the match, 
I believe nine changes. So I'm glad that FanHub don't do the uh, the predictions. Um, how how many of the changes did you see? I know you you think that Matt might listen to the podcast and was taking on your your points of trying to get centre back. Uh, but how many of the changes did you foresee? Um, I I got the lot, and I felt very very smug. <laughs> but I wow. but I got the bench wrong. So I got the eleven starting players because I thought this was going to be the way of giving the players who hadn't got the match minutes in them a chance to uh, to show. And then I thought that uh, Matt would then have a strong bench that potentially, if needs be, he could bring them all on. So uh, my my only query and listening to Matt's preview was, I thought he wouldn't risk Eastie, which I just mm-hmm. thought, might he risk Eastie? And then I thought, no, on balance, he's too crucial. I thought he'd let him have a few more days with his feet up. So, uh, yes, yeah, so very smugly, 11 out of 11, but I didn't get the bench quite right. Well, I I thought he might try and put a, a sort of, a, not a stronger team, because they should all be interchangeable, but I thought he might try and get a bit of confidence into his more regular players um, to, get, to get going. Obviously, it didn't make a difference, but um, I, I did wonder whether he would um, be making some of the other players play in the game. Um, but what, what were your thoughts ahead of kickoff? Um, as we said last week, under, under 21s teams, it's really difficult to gauge them because Villa, I believe, have a really good academy, but a lot of those players are out on loan getting experience. So um, you can't really judge who, who's left. But what were you kind of expecting and hoping for before kickoff? I think there was, I can't remember who it was, had posted on the forum, obviously knew quite a bit about Aston Villa because they are an, actually an Aston Villa fan. Yeah. So I expected them to be pacey and parsey, mm-hmm. but not very uh, big and physical. And they exactly turned out to be pacey and parsey <laughs> and not very physical. So uh, no surprises. But I, you know, I thought initially they looked very good. Yeah, I mean, we kind of did something, shot ourselves in the foot within a couple of minutes. Um, I didn't really see it. Did you? Did you? They show the replays for you guys, or did you get a good view of the penalty? I've looked at it a number of times, and it was a clear pen. And once again, we were cut open like a knife through butter, straight down the middle. And Harry, you know, he committed the professional, you know, foul. With hindsight, he'd have been better off letting the guy have a shot because he might very well have, you know, muffed it. But uh, he stuck his leg out, the guy went down and there was no protest whatsoever. You couldn't, there was no reaction from Harry. He just sort of walked off as much to say, well, you know, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy dispatched his penalty very well, to be fair. Um, And 1-0, we had quite a bit of huff and puff, but actually a lot of the ball we had a lot of the ball we passed it around um we had quite a lot uh, quite a few chances now they're not all necessarily great chances but um scott took a great shot which hit the inside of the post and then went all the way across the line and again when your luck's going for you that's going to trickle in or, or it's going to deflect off somebody 
I think there was a shot which the keeper saved really well, which was across from the right-hand side. And I can't, it might have been O'Brien, I, I, I can't remember, took a snapshot and the keeper really parried and saved it well. And I think yeah. that came just before the, the, the cash game no. shot. No, because uh, it can't have been O'Brien because he was he's a sub. Um, so oh, that's I don't know true. who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Marvin Lee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was Angle, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I stand corrected. Uh, yeah, right. absolutely. Lo lo lots of huff and puff. We didn't really do much. Although, in fairness, I was kind of standing there thinking, we've not played badly. Villa haven't destroyed us. Um, but again, we're going in at halftime one nil down. Um, so what? Again, we all kind of thought at half time. Um, we weren't overly physical against them. I noticed that as well. Um, but what were you thinking at half time? I agree exactly. We were huffing and puffing. We didn't seem to be getting the, the breaks. Um, we were dis. We seemed at times disjointed. But that was no surprise because there were 11 individuals who had never played together in that combination. They might have done in training, but there was a lot of getting used to each other, trying to see what people can do. To, you know, we, we had two completely new uh, wingbacks. I know um, they've had a few minutes between them, but they were starting... Mm -hmm. It didn't yeah. look as if the fullbacks had a great deal of confidence in them. They certainly weren't passing on them, bombing on ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're hanging back to give them a bit of to give them a bit of protection, and and both of them grew into the half as the as the half went on. I thought we might have got one. But we lost a little bit of momentum and impetus as the as the half as the half wore yeah. on. Yeah. I think we looked pleased to get in at half time at just one nil down. Yeah. Um yeah, similar chats. I mean I, at that time I went over chat with uh, Claire and she showed me her uh, new new thing on her, her her watch. She's got Snoopy moving around on her watch and I was like well at this moment in time that, that's my moment of the match but um I think it changed so we're lucky <laughs> um so um again came out for the second half and again lots of effort and whatnot and um this one definitely didn't see what happened because it was way up the other end uh but we went in two nil down um so what, what was your view on on the second goal when I first thought, saw it I thought it was a bit of a it was a bit of a freak watching the the um the replay he definitely meant it and it was a very nice looping shot so if he'd have turned and hit it it would have been saved but he, he sort of caressed the ball and looped it over jack so it was actually a quality finish and it was it looked deliberate so yeah i okay. applaud that was a, that was a good <laughs> bit of but, but he shouldn't have been in the position to do that because yeah. the defence got a bit mixed up. Mm. And it was on um, the left-hand side and Rob wasn't quite up to speed of 
the back uh, of the back yeah. four because he'd come on at half time for uh, for Sam. Yeah, and somebody's would have been <laughs> could have been Rob Skids to be fair. Um, but two nil down, we then decided, hey, yeah, we're going to start playing. Um, I wouldn't say either of our goals were, were brilliant. They're kind of quite bundled. And I saw Hish got his first goal, um, which is obviously great for him coming off the bench. Um, and he got into some lovely positions as well. What, what were your sort of thoughts on him for the, the sort of what, 20 minutes, half hour he got? It was a good goal. Once again, O'Brien's football brain, the perfect mm -hmm. ball through. Um, I thought he'd gone a little bit too wide before he shot. Mm -hmm. But it went in partly because the keeper made a bit of a hash of it and sort of almost helped um, arming it into the net. So it, it sort of ricocheted off the keeper's arm a bit and that put it uh, yeah, firmly into the, the roof of the net. So, yeah, he was sharp to do it. He, he The run was timed perfectly and it was a very, very good uh, ball from O'Brien. Yeah, so... At this point, we saw 2 1. We think, right, come on, we, we get it. And then we just kind of really settled down. Yeah. We didn't really, didn't really take it on. Um, so, were you kind of hoping for us to push on a little bit then? Um, or were you kind of expecting the slow build up that we had? I expected them to be a bit more frenzied and throwing everything forward. Um, and the way things have been going for us this year, I then expected us to then be caught on the break and then we <laughs> lose three up. Yeah. <laughs> but Villa um, dropped uh, deeper and deeper. They were protecting protecting the lead. And um, we got, um, as I said, we got the equaliser, thankfully, because there were 10 minutes of extra yeah. time. Uh, we're never going to slag that off ever again, of course. <laughs> Well, don't forget to win there. Um, right, I haven't spoken to, to Harry, I haven't watched the replay. Did it, was it header or did it hit his face? Because I'm like, <laughs> it was the slowest goal and it was like, no, that's going to get cleared. No, it's definitely going to get cleared. And it just seemed to bounce ever so slowly, comedy into the, into the corner. It was a definite header. The ball didn't have very much um, pace on it. He didn't get much pace on it because I don't think he actually connected with it quite as he wanted and it just lolloped over the uh, the line. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately yeah. the the, uh, the linesman gave it but equally no, he's he did not give Yeah, it no, was but you can yeah. but we've seen those before where they've not yeah. given them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um right. So penalties, um, actually nine good penalties, <laughs> and the one penalty that you think are oh, they going to score missed. Um, are you overly bothered about the penalty loss? Consider it's, it's just a point, really. Um, it's, it's, we got the draw. If we're going to lose a penalty shootout, that's the one to lose because it potentially, yeah. if we were to win the other two games, we'd probably go yeah. through. And on that basis, then um, after that, you don't want to lose a punishment shootout because you're out. So, exactly. and you can't keep yeah. on winning them. Even the Germans didn't win every penalty shootout. <laughs> uh, they it was had. an odd one. Yeah, it was an odd one. We lost it, but it was like, 
came totally early. <laughs> what now? You can't. They didn't really celebrate. Yeah, we won a penalty shootout. It was like literally it's just one point in the group stages, so it didn't really mean much. Um, yeah. Right. We'll we'll, we'll uh, go through some of the, the comments and thoughts. There's no player ratings because um, the guy kind of already pointed out that no one really cares about the uh, form of the pizza cup. Um, and the crowd come. One thing on the crowd, they announced it as 800 and something, which I was like, that's just mad because we were standing there going, yeah, it's like being back in the Ryland days, three, 400 people. And it's like, how quickly you get used to the, the, the bigger numbers, an 800 crowd, which a few years ago, we were like, that's, that's a good turnout for a Tuesday night. And we're now going, that's terrible, it's poor. Um, but we, a lot of confidence. People saying basically we played okay, but of more confidence, Sutton would have easily won that. Would you? Would you agree with that? A more confident, full strength side should have won that easily. Yeah, but we're yeah, no. We're I, I think even, no. I think even the ones we had out, if it was a more confident team, if we were winning games and they were like, right, I want a place in the side, probably would have been a bit more physical, a little bit more forceful, and, and got something there. Um, right, a lot of people praising the fact the ball was on the floor a bit more often um, and passed it around a bit more, which did make me laugh because there was at least occasions um, in the ground where the ball was being passed around and on after past four or five, various places were like, get it forward! And I'm like, hang on a minute, you're saying you want to pass it around, but as soon as they pass it four times, you're like, no, move it forward, move it forward. Um, but what did you think about it? Sort of clearly, the instruction not, not to just lump it forward. It was a bit more passing around at the top. We didn't have a clear, tall target man. Mm -hmm. Okay, we had Lee, but he's not as tall. And I think they realised that um, that wasn't wasn't going to work. Villa weren't going to be particularly physical. So I think they probably felt we're going to have a little bit more time on the ball than we would perhaps normally be afforded. Here's a chance to get a bit of um, get a bit of passing practice, mm -hmm. get used to get each get used to each other. So uh, I think that was I think that was deliberate rather than it transpiring, yeah. and it was noticeable. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, would we say it's um, this counts? I mean, obviously we've got seven in the league that we've lost, and then this draw. Are we? Are we like? Well, this is just a cup game. No one really cares. Or is this? No, we're going to build on this because obviously we've got Wickham in the middle of all those games. We've got Cambridge in those games that we, we didn't lose, uh, but we have lost seven in a row. Um, does this mean anything to the league games? A defeat would have been even worse than not mm -hmm. losing yeah okay fair enough pure, psych um, pure psychology yeah, they're yeah. going to take something it's, it's something to, to to build on now um so um moment of the match um there's only the two of us so it's going to be a very short puzzle this week um what what is your moment of the match for for yesterday i would say as always, a debut goal for your club has to be a uh, has to be a big thing. So that's yeah. going to be my uh, moment of the match. Perfect. Well, 
as I said, mine was nearly Snoopy. Um, then it was also looking at the left hand wing in the first half and thinking, that's a lot of hair with Damani <laughs> and Sam. He's just a luxurious mane of hair, and I was very jealous. Um, but has to go towards, uh, to, to, it's an off the pitch, but it has to go to Nick Williams with his one handed catch. The ball was booted up and coming out, and it was literally, I was watching it going, I might have to take my hands out of my pockets here. That is coming right for me. And uh, next thing he, he kept up the Williams family game and stuck his hand out, out one handed, beautiful catch, uh, which Christopher didn't see because Christopher wasn't there. So, uh, but my, my moment of the match was uh, Nick didn't, probably didn't realize he was saving me, but um, he did reach out and do a one hand catch. So we'll put him out for the votes, but I suspect it'll be Kishi's goal. Uh, but we are going to look forward as always at this point, and we are going to talk to a very, very patient Aiden. Hello, Aiden. How are you? Hey, Mike. Hi, uh, Neil. No, if I say very welcome to uh, be patient, it's interesting listening. <laughs> and, uh, and no, really good to be on. So thanks for inviting me on. You're more than welcome. So I kind of reached out uh, with my Columbo-esque mystery. What could I ever <laughs> want? Um, and, uh, I didn't realise you were you were. Um, NK Dons is uh, slow, um, so you're you're our player to NK Dons fans. How did, how did that come about? And so, yeah, and slow. It probably more ways than one. Bless me, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've I say I've been with say the, the club all the way through so from the Wimbledon days, and uh, I've you know I've been chairman of the supporters association. Um, you know, been involved in that for a number of years prior to sort of stepping down. Um, but yeah, I, I just I've got good relationship with the club, and it was just something that sort of organically came where it sort of you know when we've had away games, engaging with other fan bases, making sure you know that we've got a bit more of a community engagement there as well, making sure the fans have got sort of a familiar face if anything sort of needs to be you know supported, helped, or if there's a problem. And it's it's voluntary. It's a voluntary thing. There's me and a few others that do it, but just again, probably like you guys, just the love of the club. You know, you, you follow your club and you know, causes you depression, anxiety and everything else most of the time. But there are some positives. But, uh, yeah, really, really enjoy doing the role. It's been very rewarding and um, certainly something as an you know, ambassador of the club just to go out and reach out to other fan bases and, and get to know people. It's been really good. It's been really good to, to make friends at different clubs and particularly in the lower leagues, as you know, this, you know, it's it's great because it's all about the fans more more than sort of the Premier Leagues and big money and big players, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say well, one of the things I can't remember what it was now. Um, but to just you sort of mentioned the start. I just not I don't particularly want to put on the thread or, or any sort of horrible memories. But um, to kind of tell us a little bit about your your sport history. Um, you don't have to delve into anything you don't want to. But um, <laughs> tell us a little problem. bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an open book. So. Like I say, for, for me, as I've I've been there, so but, but I'm one of the terrible lot that went went with them to Milton Keynes. How dare I? I know, right? Um, but no, for for me, I mean, again, I, I've been supporting since I was sort of a young lad. I went to the FA Cup final back in '88. You know, one of my earliest memories, sort of things, about seven years old at the time, um, and just just loved it. Loved the fact it was a club that, you know defied the odds it was the crazy gang it was the, the unfashionable club no one liked them you know sort of thing or you know just hated the fact that they were there sort of been a thorn in the side of all these trendy clubs really so you know for me it's, it's just been a passion i followed through and particularly in those difficult years you know as i say sort of the the early 2000s when things started to sort of unwind really you know for me there's a point of view 
Mike, and I think that's the thing. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that one set of fans is right, one set of fans are wrong if you're AFC or MK Dons. I'm more measured than that. I remember it. I don't have those rose-tinted glasses, if you like. But it's, for me, I think the blame, everyone blames Pete Winkleman for everything. And I just think that's really unfair, given the fact that, for me, you know, you look at Sam Haman, look what he did to the club. He, he really ran it into the ground. The Norwegian owners as well, when we fell out of the Premier League. And it it just spiralled. Pete came in and bought effectively a shell of a club. There was nothing left. You know, he's he's taken on paying the pensions of all those former Wimbledon players and a lot of other things that you don't really hear about. And to see what he's done with effectively what was a shell of a club, you know, built a stadium, brought it back to, you know, a sustainable football. I think that's the key thing with, with him. He's never going to spend the big bucks. He hasn't got that. He's been open about that. But he's given us a club that's sustainable. It runs itself. You know, it's profitable in terms of, of balancing the books in that way. Um, you know, for me, it's it's been great to see that evolution. Obviously, it's... It's a weird one because I've got friends, particularly in the US, who know, dare I say the word, franchise, but franchise football. It's the norm over there and over here it's like that dirty word. But it's, I think it's because when it happened, it was in the era of social media and, and sort of, you know, newscasting, which was probably a lot more than Millwall or Arsenal or, you know, Manchester United as Newton Heath as they were many years ago. It's happened before, um, but it's just we're the most recent ones. But I think for me, yeah, you know, you, you follow your club, you can't pick and choose. And for me, there was always that spiritual connection to to Wimbledon. People can say it's not, but it was, it changed, it deceased, if you like, in 2003 and sort of Phoenix back as MK Dons. And yeah, just to see them grow, you know, see some of the players we've had come through, some of the great highs and lows that we've had over that time from the championship, beating you know, Manchester United, 100% win record with them at the moment. Hopefully that stays <laughs> for a long time. Um, you know, but it's it's been a roller coaster, and I think for me, as a fan, it, it's just been one of those things. That, when you're an MK Dons fan, obviously you get a lot of stick wherever you go, but the fan base, you know, is very very solid. We, we really sort of look after each other, and that's a real family feel and a real bond you, you get with the fan base, which is really lovely to to see. Um, they really take time to care for the fans and do what they can and reach out, particularly in the community with sports and education trust helping sort of those with, you know, less equipped, if you like, and those with sort of learning difficulties and things as well. It's been lovely to see the, the you know, the, the impact they've had within the Milton Keynes city as a whole, really, Mike. But, um, yeah, I, as I say, for, for me, I was there since I've had hair and less wrinkles and less grace and, uh, and carried it through. And my family, you know, my son, he's now a big, massive MK Dons fan. My, my wife was um, not really into football when she, she first met me and then, I ended up taking it to MK Don. She's now a season ticket holder. And I think about five or six years ago, she just said to me, when did I start caring about football? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been an emotional journey. Yeah. I mean, there's lots. And obviously, I'm not here to take the nick or anything. But we, we get lots of different stick about our, our ground. Because obviously, we're a lonely club. But somebody went, yeah. oh, um, are we supposed to be playing football league now? Oh dear, um, wish you told us five years ago we could have done something about this. Um, but you guys got kind of the opposite yep. problem, for want of a better word. You've got a great big, massive, massive stadium that isn't being, being filled. I mean, how, how does that kind of feel for you lot? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting question, Mike. And for me, you know, again, when we, when we were sort of moved into Milton Keynes, if you like, in effect, we had the hockey stadium, which is about 15,000 back in the day. And that was a great little stadium. It was quirky generated a great atmosphere, you had a lot of people packed in at the time. 
I think what happened, and Pete was trying to future-proof. I mean, this is the thing. You talk about it, and people joke, but we have got like a Premier League infrastructure, but the budget, if you like, of a Morecambe and a, yeah. a supporter base probably equal to a League you know, a League 2, League 1 sort of squad. But a lot of that was particularly the, the second tier that made it 30,000 was for the Rugby World Cup. So it's been, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because to walk in the stadium, to have those facilities and, you know, it's something I'm really grateful for. There's not many places around the country that have got that sort of FIFA and UEFA standard, you know, to actually hold World Cup games and things like that. It's a pretty impressive build in, in that way. But like you say, because, you know, MK Dons, and I said this to a lot of people, you know, if, if you step back, it's just, a, it's, you know, I'm knocking on for 20, 20 odd years old now, um, you know, so in the in the wider scheme of things the kids that were sort of you know two three four in milton Keynes are now 20 18 19 20 so you start to see a growth in the youth base of, of the fan base and it's really positive to see that they really care about the club it's it's their only club they don't have a a man U or a, you know a tottenham and arsenal or something like that but a lot of the the older fans i say who sort of come most of them you know again it's a mixture of some, some as i say old wimbledon fans um, or a mixture of people who brought their, their kids to the football who support another team. So it, it's taken that time to organically grow, and it is difficult because I say to people, you've got to step back and think this is a club that's 20 years in, in the building, if you like, in Milton Keynes. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because if you didn't have the facility, you know, what would happen? Would people still want to cut? It's one of those. But I think yeah. for me, it's, it's great having it, and I think I'd rather have it than not. The only diff, I suppose, the difficulty is it's difficult to generate an atmosphere because you've got such a scattered, you know, fan base yeah. across the stadium. But to be fair to the young lads, they've they've really impressed me. Where they've got such a passion, they've built their own singing block, and you know, I'm, I stand up and sing and shout because that's just me. But you know, um, a lot of people do, and a lot of people get involved, and and you do see, particularly when we pick up sort of those cup games against the Liverpools, the Man U's, it sells out. So the catchment's there and the interest is there. And I, I've always said if we were successful or if a bigger, you know, owner decided to step in and buy the club and put funds into it, you can easily see it becoming, you know, quite big overnight because um, it generates interest. But, yeah, I think, like you say, it's future-proofed. I think whoever, you know, Pete, love him to death and I wouldn't want him to go anywhere anytime soon, like I say. But eventually, you know, something's going to have to change because his age and, and things like that. But... For any prospective buyer coming in to look at football clubs in the lower leagues, seeing the facilities that they've got, and they've also just got the rights to the National Bowl to do a training facility there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really set up for great success. And yeah, it's one of those people come and say, oh, you've got no fans. We have, but they're just scattered in a massive stadium. And you go to an away day and you'll, you know, you'll see a couple of thousand people turn up and, you know, Going back to when I was, as I say, younger, you probably have three, four hundred. So it's growing and it's it's taken that time. Mm. But I think hopefully over the next ten years, you know, if if we can get a bit more success, be climbing up those leagues a little bit more, I can see a lot more of the youth sort of being more involved. But the trouble is, and probably the same for you guys with Sutton as well, where you're sort of so close to London, you've got your Arsenal's, your Tottenham's, your Chelsea's, your Fulham's for one of a better friend. People will go and see that because it's top tier football. So yeah. it's it's competing in a in a saturated market, if you like. It's difficult, and it's it's one of those. It just takes time, really. No, absolutely. Right. So this question is probably really really pointless. Um, but if you could have one player from your team's history to pick up and put in the side at their prime, who would you have? It's a difficult one because there's a few. There really is a few. There, really? But 
Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, again, like Will Grigg back in the day in his prime, you know, Benekafobi. Okay. You know, you've got there as well, Deli Ali, obviously. You know, in That's terms the of one I was thinking of. Was Alley, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we've had some great players over the years, you know, and and mm -hmm. it's it's really hard. I think for me, Will Grigg back in in his heyday, the first time round we had him in, you know, he was just on fire, literally, and and just a pleasure to watch, absolute pleasure for me to see him when he came back the second time round. Obviously, he's just gone to Chesterfield now, but it was. I think everyone had that romantic view of what he was to what he'd come back as, if that makes sense. He was never going to be quite the same. But, you know, from a from an attacking point, I think for me, he was always someone I really enjoyed watching. And, and Benekafobi is another one who I just really, really rated. So it's a difficult one. But I think if you push me on it, probably Grig. I mean, everyone will probably say Deli Ali because of who he is. Um, yeah. An amazing player in his day. And it's so sad to see what's happened, you know, in, yeah. in recent years for him. We always joke at MK Dons, you know, come back. You know, if, if you're not feeling the love, come back to the club that loves you and, and you know, be nice to have him in the league too, wouldn't it? Because he's got the skill set, that's for sure, Mike. Who but, knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. Strange things happen. I thought for recent players, you just said Scott Twine. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, again, that's, that, that's kind of a given. But I think for me, you know, again, he, he was a fantastic player. We had him for one season. And I, I, it just frustrates me a little bit. And again, I, you know, who is it for me to tell the, the chairman or the club what to do? Obviously, they've got a balance of books, and we all know that, particularly in the lower leagues. But when we had that squad nil of, of Scott Twine, Harry Darling, you know, again, and some great loan players coming in as well, it was just a phenomenal season. And I just sit there and looking back, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but why we didn't try and keep that team together and have a second crack at it last season, I, I really don't know. You know, they, they've sold, I mean, Scott, I think, as I say, it was undisclosed, but the rumours are around 7 million staged over a few years is what we, we got for him. If that's the case, that's a fantastic amount of money for a, for a club of our size. But, you know, again, you, you can't deny these players the opportunity to play at a high level. I, I get that. It's a difficult line to tread. But, um, yeah, I mean, to say, I thought he was brilliant in the season we had him, but it's one of those, you know, would he have been doing it again, second season, third season? You know, you need to see these players a few seasons to really see if they could, could do it. I, I have all of the respect to the world for Scott Twan, and I think he'll do great things at Hull. Um, you know, again, I was quite surprised, to be fair, that Burnley loaned him out. I thought they would have kept him, um, you know, because he's great on a set piece, as you probably saw. It's like every time a free kick came, I was pretty sure you could put a bet on it was going to go in, um, you know. But no, this is the thing. We, we sold... You know, and we had to change things. That's the sort of club, any club, you can't really retain all of it. But we brought in a lot of kids, a lot of youth. And I think that cost us last season because we lost a lot of experience and, and sort of came a cropper at the end of the season because of it. Yeah, I mean, the other players were a bit odd. If you let Mr. Kemp go out again. Well, this, this is a strange one. I'm, there's nothing that's been said, Neil, but clearly something's gone on behind the scenes, not just with... Graham Alexander, but I think when we had Liam Manning, um, you know, and previous managers, he was in the squad, then suddenly out of it. So something, be that the training ground, back room, something's not quite right there. Um, and again, rumour has it, whether it's, you know, again, going around the terraces, that he basically walked in day one with Graham Alexander, demanded the number 10 shirt and demanded this, that and the other. And Graham was like, well, I can't guarantee anything to anyone at this, at this point. You know, I'm trying to assess the squad. And he was like, well, I'm off then. Um, so, I mean, if that's the case, and if you know, if and again, who knows? Obviously, these things none of us will probably know the full truth, but if, if that's the case, 
if someone's got an attitude where they think they're better than other players, I wouldn't really want them in the squad. Doesn't matter how good their ability is, you, you, it affects and it can be very toxic on the on the squad as a whole. And we've seen that in the past, particularly MK Dons. You get one or two bad eggs, and it can really have a massive impact on your season. So I was, I was going to say last season, obviously, I, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to, to um, other teams, but um, last season I did see that you um, at least one person tipped you for promotion. Yeah. And yeah. It, it kind of didn't go quite to that plan. Um, but how's this season been so far for you? What has there been any sort of highs, lows so far? Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those. I mean, again, coming down and I could have, I can pinpoint exactly when I knew we were going to League Two, like because there was a game against uh, Barnsley at second to last game of the season. We were four one up, um, and we ended up drawing at four four because that's what MK Dons do and had a complete collapse in the last ten minutes, um, and that was it. And I think from there to this season, you know, we've lost a lot of players out the door. Um, so there's been a lot of change. Obviously, new manager Mark Jackson left, and obviously uh, Graham Alexander's come in. So I was really pleased to see Graham come in. I think he's a very experienced manager, particularly at this level. And you can see he's proven, you know, with other clubs, what he's capable of doing in terms of that. So he's very shrewd. But yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot of change in the summer. And, you know, I was a little bit nervy towards the, to the end of the window because we hadn't really done much up front. And that was a real frustration for me. It's like, we, you know, we'd let Will Grigg go. Um, we hadn't really brought much in. I think you look at the squad, we've got 11 new players that have come in. So you've got McGivery, um, who came in for us in, in goal. Ironic because he was the guy that stopped the uh, the goals going in at Burton on the last day of the season. So ironic, right? Um, Alex Gilby coming back to club legend. Everyone loved Alex. You know, he was the first time round, absolutely stupendous for us. And um, seeing him come back gave the fans a real shot in the arm because what he did with Stevenish last season to get them up as well was really, really good to see. So that gave me a bit of confidence that what we lost in midfield, we've got, we've got someone back who can start to dictate things a bit more there. And some players I was quite surprised, to be honest, to get. So MJ Williams from Bolton, I thought was a great signing for us, particularly at this level. Real dynamo, real pace, real energy. You know, Ellis Harrison right at the death of the window closing when we had all that hoo-ha with um, Luke Armstrong from Harrogate Town, Willie Wonty, and then Wrexham decided to try and scupper the deal. I need to scupper themselves, which was hilarious, to be honest. But, um, you know, we, I think we've got some good we've got some good experience in which we didn't have last season. Tommy Smith from Colchester, I think we had Ashley Hunter from Morecambe, who's worked with Graham Alexander before. Um, you know, you've got Tomlinson from Peterborough. I'm trying to think who else we had then. Um, Anthony Stewart again from Aberdeen. I think it's a great acquisition. You know, and a number of other players that have come in. So there's been a lot of change. But I mean, this season we started off really well. So you know, again, beating Wrexham five, you know, three was was great. Um, I look forward to the Disney Plus episode of that one. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, we've won a few, lost a few against Crawley, recently against Stockport last weekend in the league, um, Drew against Knott County. You know, that was a tough game. So to to sort of, you know, go toe-to-toe with them, obviously you guys absolutely, you know, schooled them on the first first day of the season, which I absolutely loved, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. Our fan base would want us to go up in automatic promotion. I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you, when we came down the last time to League Two, this isn't a given. It's a tough league. You know, it's a tough one to get out of. Um, and if you're not careful, you can get sucked back into the, you know, into the National League sort of situation as well, which is difficult. But, um, I mean, for me, it's early days. People, are, and there's some people I've actually heard calling for Alexander's head, which I think is frankly ridiculous after a few games, eight games in. You know, you need time to bed it in. You need time to sort of understand he's changing the system, trying to get his tactics and his way of playing across to the guys takes time 
Um, yeah. But I've seen flashes of, of really good play. And I think a testament to me, particularly Alexander and the team, is we haven't played particularly well against some of those teams and still won. And I think that's the sign of a good team. When you can scratch, you know, three points when you're playing pretty poor, that's, to me, I'd rather, again, it probably sounds cliche, but I'd take that every every week if we had to. It could be dross yeah. as long as we win. But, yeah, I, I you know, again, I'd like to see us up there. For me, if we're not in the playoffs as a minimum, I would be disappointed. But I think, you know, the aim is automatic promotion. But you look at this league, there's some really oh, big teams, a lot of investment yeah. going on. You know, Gillingham's a great example of the money they put in. Swindon will be up there. You know, you've got Notts County, Wrexham, obviously people will yeah. talk about, and a number of other clubs as yeah. well. So yeah. it's it's not a given, but I'm, I suppose if it was a, an old, old-fashioned old teacher's rating, Mike, I'd probably say C, satisfactory at the moment. Could do okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is, I'll bring for this question. Um, aside from my suggestion last week of covering the pitch in paper, because this is the best one we've ever had on paper, what... <laughs> something needs to do to win the game it's one of those i think you know again it's about having some particularly pace i mean we saw it with crew they you know we were one nil up against them i think you know second half that the team talk that crew clearly had was higher press so it was against pressing us up the pitch you know and again we seem to drop back and that's the problem we score and then we seem to sit back and drop deeper and deeper and it, it's particularly the second half this season it's the tale of two dons you'll probably see a first half of Great football, really pressing, really attacking. Second half, they'll come out like they've just been in a pub. Um, it's just really strange. So I think for you guys, it's, it's keeping it compact, you know, pace down the wing, particularly, you know, some of our defenders, um, particularly, I'm just trying to think Tommy Smith is an example. The number 10 at crew just did him every time to the point that um, Graham Alexander actually subbed him off in, in, the, you know, in that game because he just couldn't cope with the pace. So I think that's the thing. If you've got... You know, players who can run run the channels, cause problems, and keep it tight. That's the, probably one of the ways that you'll be able to get into us and you know grind us down. I think our play this season, and again, it's it's different. You know, with new manager and tactics, but it seems that we come out and have a real sort of burst of energy that first twenty minutes. And if you can if you can deal with this for that, I think it starts to then grind it out a bit more. I think that's sort of how I've seen it this season, anyway. Certainly, Neil, does that fill you full of a bit of confidence? I mean. The run at pace sounds great. The run into the channel sounds great. The keeping it tight doesn't sound like something we can do at the moment. What, what do you think? I think the only way we're going to beat MK Dons on Saturday is to be 2 0 up at half time. It, you know, it's essentially, if we concede a goal, the confidence seems to go. We have very little, you know, we've lost all of the confidence that we should have had from the, uh, the Notts County game. So, so we need we need we need a two goal cushion and and probably not to get two nil up too soon because there's then plenty of time for us to uh, throw it away okay. because then when we let a goal in we let another one in almost in, immediately so you know I'd like us to be naught naught at half time and then go two nil up after about eighty nine minutes and then I'd be confident. <laughs> But I'm afraid that's the, to, at the moment the only way I can be confident because we are desperate for a win. One team's going to get a beating because one day this lot's going to click again. Yeah, but I don't think exactly. it's going to be Saturday. And um, how's uh, Matt? Is he is he likely to play Matt Dennis? 
Matt, yeah, I mean, Matt Dennis is again. He's he's been injured, so he came back in early in the season, scored yeah. against um, Colchester United, literally at the death to win, um, which was fantastic. But um, again, he's just he's one of those players that you know he's got all the ability, but I, I do question sometimes his work ethic. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have questioned that. It, it's attitude and work ethic is what you hear around the terraces with him, and you know. When we've had him play, and I, I actually really like the guy. I think when he's on it, he can be a real problem, but hasn't been in the team for a little while because he's been injured. So, you know, I think for from us, you'll probably see Leko and, and Isa up front, um, probably Ellis Harrison on the bench, and Max Dean, who came to us from Leeds. Um, again, fantastic with his pace. But again, one of those players, when he clicks, he, he'll certainly cause a few problems. Harrogate came in for him um, on loan right at the death, but obviously with everything that happened with that transfer, Luke Armstrong, it all fell through. But... Again, a really good player that I expect a lot from this season too. That's, that's surprising because Matt always seemed to be working quite hard. To be fair, when he came, when he came on for us, so um, that's a surprise. Right, we're going to start to sort of wrap it up now. But um, Neil, I'll start with you. Your your thirty second message to the players and your prediction, please, for the for the result. I think I'd say to them, it is very, very unusual to lose eight games on the trot. So uh, probably reverse psychology, <laughs> tell them to go out and lose the eighth game on the trot, and then they'll basically go and defy the manager and uh, and win. But seriously, I, I, I would say if I was Matt, you're too good to keep on, you are too good on paper to keep on losing. It's going to click. Today's the day it's going to click. Okay, and your prediction? I've just said two nil, didn't I? You did. I you want that? But I don't believe I don't believe it. But I'm going to say it two nil. Okay, fair enough. And um, don't forget, you still need to put it into the prediction league, folks. I'll forget to do that for you. Um, I'll, I'll put two nil the way around him. <laughs> yes, Aiden, we've we've this new scheme. Team that you get plucked from the crowd to go into the change room to give 30 seconds to your team, a little bit of a motivational speech, um, and then a prediction for the game, please. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if it was me going in there, I would say to them, look, guys, there's fantastic ability in this squad. You know, you can really see with the players, you know, you've all been brought in to do the job. Um, you know, you've got proven ability. We want to we wanna get out of this league. You need to, you know, really start to press the, you know, press the, the, the ability that you've got with the opposition. Keep it tight, high press, you know, attack down the wings. We've got some great ability in Dan Harvey. You know, Leko, again, some great pace there. And, and Mo Isaac, get it into him. You know, he's always a threat. He, Mo always scores goals, um, you know. So for me, you know, just keep pushing, keep it tight. Make sure that you know you're not being done on the counter. Um, keep concentrating to the last minute. Don't switch off in the last ten, which we usually do um, as well. And please, please, please bring Ding Lewington back into the score because I miss him desperately. <laughs> uh, a scored prediction? I, you know what? I think it's going to be a bit of a tight game, but I fancy us to win two one. Two one. Okay. Right. Well, I'm going to base this on the fact that you said. You, you struggle in the last 10 minutes and we also can always have a little sort of half hour roughly in a game where we, we struggle. Um, so I'm going to go for a really, really exciting game. I'm going to go 4-3 Sun just because I'm desperate for some excitement. I don't, <laughs> nobody put any money on this. I'm, the only reason I have points in the prediction league is because I've rigged it that the more you play, the more you get. Um, so don't put any money on it anyway. Uh, but 
the prediction league, the code is going to come on the screen if I can to do it right. Yay, nice yellow and chocolate um, <laughs> QR code. So um, out of a maximum of 66 points, I think we've got two people on 22 points. So uh, prediction leagues are going brilliantly and the rookies have loads and loads of money from us. Uh, but do please join in. There's plenty of time to win. Um, I'm going to wrap it up there because uh, we've, 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 we've said a lot about a draw. We've said a lot about a game that no one really knows what's going to happen. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your ear attention. I still love that joke. Uh, follow, like, share Sutton Podcast on all social medias. Don't forget to subscribe on your platform. And leave us a review if you like. Um, until next time, um, we are going to be joined by Andy plus one. I haven't got a second guess for next week. So if you are interested, drop me a line. But thank you to Neil, thank you to Aidan, and thank you as always to Lucky Star Jim, who's sponsoring us. And um United! 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.